listener. You're listening to NPR. Could you imagine how annoying? I don't know how people listen to NPR. Whenever I accidentally tune into it on my radio, I, I veer off the road. Uh, this is, uh, of course, the audio version. A lot of people are watching the videos more and more. Or they're subscribing for the daily show, louderwithcredit.com slash mug club. If you have not, it is what keeps these free shows coming. These shows will cease to exist unless more of you join at louderwithcredit.com slash mug club. 99 annually. That's 69 for students, veterans, or active military. Uh, we appreciate the support. And if you feel like you're missing out on some visual gags, head on over to YouTube to watch the whole thing. Enjoy the show. Hey, really quickly before we get to the show, just want to let you know how much uh, I appreciate the support to people who have not yet joined up at loudofcredit.com slash mugclub. Please do. It's what allows this content to be free. There's like 80% more content behind the paywall. And last chance to sign up for our Halloween Spooktacular at Texas A&M, October 31st. Go to lotterwithcredit.com slash tour. We actually opened up a new large overflow room uh, because tickets have been going so quickly. Here's a little sample of what you missed for those of you who are not members. Enjoy the show. Groundbreaking study uh, now claims that tanning salons could be targeting gay men and putting them at risk of cancer. They're only one of the services offered at Planet Pence Fitness Center, which when you think about it, look, it's <laughs> still gay? I think so. And the theme throughout all of it is we don't really report news. In fact, someone actually says, this is Mike Brevna talking, he says, quote, we've sold ourselves to the devil. We no longer report the news. Yeah. I want to get married to her, but am held up by an unfortunate family issue. Her parents are supposedly racist. I am a devout Same Christian situation. that hopes to raise a godly family. Do you have any advice on how to approach the situation of having a girlfriend with racist parents? Well, did you uh, did you see any white supremacists in the audience? No, I did I was, not. You I know, was I, for them. I've been looking for a white supremacist. I've been looking for a Nazi, and I can't find them anywhere. I've been all over the world saying, have you seen a white supremacist or a Nazi? I would like to talk to them, please. Well, I think David Duke still has a Twitter profile. Then we'll reach out to him. <laughs> the contentious relationship between YouTube and Crowder has been heating up. In this country, all people are equal before the law. But in a few short years, all peoples around the globe were electrified to learn that what Vox dreamed of but could not accomplish came to a thundering realization with YouTube's lightning-like targeting of conservative voices. This show, Mug Club and its viewers are linked together in their cause against big technology and their greed will defend to the death your right to free speech fighting for the cause like good comrades to the utmost of our strength. Mug Club shall go on to the end. We shall fight on the YouTubes. We shall fight on the Twitters and the Instagrams. We shall fight with unwavering confidence and growing strength even in the face of demonetization. We shall defend every channel, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight against the liberal media. We shall fight in the quarantine reddits. We shall fight in the Young Turks comment section. We shall fight at the TED Talks. We shall fight with our retweets and our likes, and we shall fight with all our jokes and with every irritating, distasteful sketch. 
and we shall never ever surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this show and its supporters were subjugated or shadow banned, then Armour Club, beyond all YouTube, armed and guarded by the half-Asian Kraken, will carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new free online world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and liberation of the council. of the YouTube Gestapo and join Atlanta with Crowded.com slash Club today. Called the Chuck Liddell little drunk and high on oh. a morning show. You guys what? ever see that when Chuck Liddell is like on a Dallas morning show and he's sitting there and, like, uh, and they say, "Who do you want to fight next?" He said, uh, uh, "Tommy Morrison, <laughs> who was the guy from Rocky Five. Yeah, That's nice. and he blamed it on Nyquil. I thought oh, she wrote sure. beloved. Fairly yeah. certain. I was wondering what the hell you were doing abuse. over there. I've used Nyquil. I've never once wanted to fight Tommy Morrison. <laughs> Uh, big shot today. We have Mike Rowe on the show. Yeah. Waiting nice. for a while. So, for so looking forward to that. And we'll yeah. have a web extended there with, uh, yeah. with yeah. Mike Rowe. Oh, nice. As I heard it, is his new book. We're going to be talking about death threats versus appropriate boundaries as it relates mm. to governments oh. seizing your guns. You know, that leads me to the question yeah. of the day. Uh, I know this is a topic that leads to clickbait headlines, and, and people <laughs> often find themselves in hot water. We saw it with Ben Shapiro. We'll talk yeah. about that for uh, a little bit, quite a bit, actually. <laughs> Most avoid it. I know that, okay? But based on the recent controversies, when, if ever, do you think that any sort of an armed resistance to government tyranny is appropriate? And I need you guys out there to have my back so this isn't taken out of context. Right. No death threats. No death threats. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not Still not a Nazi. Canceled. All exactly. right. Keep Bill busy, aren't we? So we'll be talking yeah. about that, Mike Rowe. <laughs> Leading the news, though. Oh, by the way, I didn't introduce her. My happy oh, Larry hey, Bill Richmond is here. We were already talking. Quarter Black Garrett, show me your hood pass. What's up, dog? G Morgan. Yeah, I hate it. I don't like it. Don't like it at all. So G Morgan bad. Jr., how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How Wine of the day? Wine of the day is the Federalist Zin, aged in bourbon barrels. Wait, wait, I didn't hear what you said. The Federalist Zinfandel. There is no way he said that that quickly. Federalist he said the Federalist Zinfandel. Did you hear Federalist <laughs> Zinfandel? No. 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 I, heard, I speak faster than Ben Shapiro. I heard that you're still on Percocet. Leading the news. Fake news. Donald Trump. That's foreshadowing, by the way. We're going to be talking about it. Donald Trump has joined Twitch. Ooh, yeah, hey. the president made his debut on the gaming platform during a Minnesota rally, uh, signaling a campaign push to appeal to younger uh, voters. So supporters, nice. they can actually use the app now to donate to the campaign, register to volunteer, huh. and even join the president for Minecraft Mondays. Hey, hey. Boom, Pedro, that's a boom, not today. You're not sending your best. I'm going to send you right back. Look it over that. Well, let's keep building this wall. There you go, brick by brick. My wall, frankly, shoots fire, you see, and you're going to pay for it. Bah, bah, it's Trump. 
Hey, guys, uh, in the chat, let me know what you'd like me to put in my boat. I'm thinking alligators and spikes. <laughs> I don't know if that's allowed. It's very real. Just wanted oh, to set awesome. the expectations for the show. Okay, Hopper's of, already leaving. Hopper's like, and I'm out. We're taking his blanket. Also in <laughs> 2020 <laughs> news, uh, Bernie Sanders has returned to the campaign trail, and now he has endorsements from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar. Oh, nice. AOC yeah, will appear with Bernie Sanders on Saturday at Bernie's Back Rally, like the Backstreet's Back. I know, yes. right? Oh, yes. wow. Bernie's Back! <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, Sanders was so thrilled by the oh, endorsements, he had a heart attack. Oh, yeah. And this lends credence yeah. to the Too recent soon. polling data. We've talked about this uh, that shows Bernie making inroads with two key demographics crazy people and terrorists who have sex with their brothers. That's a Reuters Ipsos poll with a plus minus margin of error of about 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was backed up by the Quinnipiac poll uh, that oh, also showed. Yeah, no, is it Quinnip Quinnipiac or Quinnipiac? I don't know. I, I don't Does anyone actually say that word aloud? I only trust Rasmussen, and Quinnipiac is frankly not that. <laughs> in Los Angeles, by the way, a, 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 a robot policeman. Oh. Police robot? Police officer? Yelled at a woman to go away uh, after she tried to report a crime and instead played uh, a song. Here you go. Star Trek noise. <laughs> it's, it's soothing. Hopper, it's come back here. Soothing. Sorry, I had to bring Hopper back. He was going oh, to some, yeah, we have some producers in here. You have to sit down, Hopper. Stay oh there. Oh, my gosh. It's disturbing. Yeah. So the RoboCop yelled, step out of the way, rolled off while humming, uh, <laughs> which is really interesting when you think about it because, um... oh, hi, HP RoboCop. Please call me Henry. I want you to think of me as your friend. Oh, that's really nice. Do you need to see any ID? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Don't be silly. I exist to serve you as part of the department's new community policing initiative. Oh, it's the community. Suspect alert. Suspect alert. Show me your hands. Hey, everybody, hold Shut up. Shut your okay, filthy mouth. Cop, I Let me know. see the white of your palms. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Give me a reason. Okay, oh, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, come on, man. That's not called for. Listen, I appreciate it. Let's every everyone take a breather, and we'll we'll have someone talk with you, issue an official report later. Okay? I'll be by the bike rack. Yeah, yeah. So will I. I'm easy to find. HP Robocop. I think you're gonna. Yeah, that's okay. Well. All right. We'll come back soon. I hope I hope he what finds what he's looking yeah. for. Oh. By the way, who programmed <laughs> into a, a, a robot policeman the word spook? Ooh, that terrible. seems like you know it's the That's, question about AI. Can they yeah. develop on there? No, someone had to put that in That's there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's bias, which there's, I don't like. I'm fairly certain it was Justin Trudeau. I'm yeah. pretty <laughs> sure that was. Which, by the way, brings us to uh, our, our next story here. Apparently, nice. doctors need to warn women now oh not to use toothpaste to quote tighten their vaginas. As comes from the New York thing? Post, wow. it is a thing. Just like drinking bleach to get rid of autism was a oh, thing that we yeah. talked about. These, the people actually do this. <laughs> there are some really stupid people in the world. We have defeated natural selection, and I don't know if it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just oh, natural selection in a new form. It's a new, yeah. it's, yeah. it's self-imposed. Natural selection is learning. Uh, life life uh, uh, finds a way. <laughs> the spokesperson for the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists say that putting toothpaste down there uh, would not only be uncomfortable, but it could lead to serious damage. And the organization felt a warning was needed after this became, it became a really big 
big online trend oh, with wow. influencers, whatever that means, and even um, the Canadian Prime Minister promoting the practice on social media. Hi guys, welcome back to another beauty secret tutorial. Today, I want to let you in uh, on a tip. I like to use all natural toothpaste because it's fluoride free and has activated charcoal, which acts as a really nice detoxifier as well as a natural whitening agent. So just apply it to your brush here. And don't be shy to use a liberal amount and just let the activated charcoal do its thing. <laughs> Dale! <laughs> oh, gosh. Justin. Justin, Justin. That's Prime Minister Justin. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You're not formal. friends with him. Prime Minister Justin. God. I'd be like, wow. President Becky. Hey, uh, we have to go to this week's uh, Hollywood Minute. Still needlessly it's always, long. It's yeah. long, but it gets you into it. Yeah. It gets you into it. It's, it's, it's almost yeah. as though we give more credence to what's happening in Hollywood true. than what should actually be affecting our lives. Yeah. Oh, that's surprising. Hmm. Why do you have your iPad there? Because I just got to make sure to you know do that's research and other things. Yeah, he has. You know, he's, he's, so. he's actually typing up his official resignation. Yeah. No, no, that's, <laughs> I have that ready at all yes, times. Yes, exactly. That's just a save draft and send. Singer Ed Sheeran, because we haven't talked about him for a week and a half, has. Taking a break from touring, and he spent the entire time painting. Ah. You, you know, for a singer, Ed Sheeran is a great painter, uh, but mm -hmm. he's, he's only an average gay. <laughs> now, his preferences, they're oil paintings, landscapes, though he says that his real passion actually uh, lies in self-portraits, which if you see, yeah, he's... Oh, my God. <laughs> That's uncanny. Uncanny. Wow. Wow. Is he really so good? I, actually, I... No, that was just slander. I was going to oh. say, I was looking it up uh, just, you know, from the legal perspective. I... I uh, Matt to humanity, can I send you some photos here of his wife? Wait, is, of, he, is uh, he married? Well, we can't uh, run it today. Yeah, I mean, I think a... I think we do have some photos of her, but either way. Well, color me oh, slander. Oh, there we go. Look there we go. Some, See, there uh, we go. Well, oh. Oh. Look, he's giving yeah. he's giving hope to everyone like Gerald who married up. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> moon-faced ugly guy. Wait, hold on a second. I thought you were you were putting that up to make the case that he's straight and she's a field hockey player. Yeah, that, yeah. they're married. Yeah, I know. But she's a field straight. hockey player. <laughs> oh, it's okay. cover. Gerald's favorite. That's <laughs> that's, no, that's using soccer. they, there, and Z without a doubt. Rap artist <laughs> Ja Rule. Oh my gosh. Remember him? He said that uh, he still no, remains no. haunted by the poor quality of, of prison toilet paper. Oh. This comes from page six where he said uh. it was the next step to wiping your ass with a Brillo pad. Uh, wow. Going on to add that it was almost as painful as the time he was raped in the prison shower with a Brillo pad. Late 90s, early odd hip hop artist Brillo pad rape is no laughing matter. And it's unfortunately more common than most realize. As a matter of fact, Early out rapper Brillo Pad Rape is likely to affect each and every one of us in our lifetime. Startling statistics show that at least one in four late 90s through early out hip hop artists have, at some point in their life, experienced Brillo Pad Rape. Even more disturbing, more than 90% of these instances of Brillo Pad Rape go completely unreported. That would mean that at 2017's Fire Festival, hip hop artist Ja Rule was raped with a Brillo Pad upwards of 72 times. It doesn't have to be this way. It's time to end the stigma. Let us be the generation that says enough of late 90s through early odd hip hop artists Brillo Pad Rape. Please go to BrilloPadRape.org and give generously to put an end to Brillo Pad Rape today. Yeah, and that's an actual website. 
Really? Yeah, yeah Philip nice. I don't know. Why, I don't like that. I heard laughter here in the studio. It's not. No, it's, first off, you're better than that. No, I'm not. Yeah. You're all better than that. Yeah. And Brillo pad rape is a pandemic. It's, it's a which thing. means it affects people on a global scale. I, I thought he was going to be pissed off at the, the like you just you know you get the surprise whenever it's not thick enough. And what you are you, you talking know, it's not about? Not a fun thing. Are you speaking from experience? No. He's a disgusting no. human being. Oh, Everything terrible. about him <laughs> it's is too thin. Gross. Everybody said that experience with too thin paper uh, ribs. In an effort to relate to, we're just gonna be saying, talking about government and armed insurrection and all this. So that you know, in case this isn't necessarily your speed, yeah. there's still quite a bit more of this speed <laughs> before we change those gears. <laughs> So in an effort to relate to uh, the struggles of its young audience, actually, uh, Sesame Street, you know Sesame Street, yeah, they debut yeah, a it. new puppet character whose mom is addicted to opioids, oh. which oh, so I am actually, I'm actually uh, supportive of this, but we've known about the opioid crisis with Muppets for a, a long time, as we've yeah. discussed with yep. our office opioid expert, PJ, yeah. who's actually here right now. Hey, PJ. Oh, hi, Steven. Well, PJ, what's, what's, what's got you so down? Prescription for codeine after my herniated disc surgery. You you remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm performing oral favors for a day trader in Chinatown for half a tab of Percocet. Wow, that is uh, that is surprisingly disgusting. Yeah, I'm in a pretty dark place, Stephen. Last week, I gave a Puerto Rican a <laughs> on his <laughs> because he said he had half a gram of fentanyl. And, and did he? Okay, all right. Well, that's that's fine. I with... mean, it's a pretty quick slide to mm-hmm. rock bottom, Stephen. Just backstage, one of your producers had a bottle of Vites, so I had to give him a Mandy. Was that a, a Mandy? Muppet Handy. Of course it yeah. is. Okay. All right. You you hang in there, PJ. Chin up, okay? I f- your d- for an oxy. That's enough. Oh, come on! I don't know why he's even oh allowed. Why does he have the access codes? I, I, wait, I thought his name was here. not PJ. I thought it was Gerald C. Yeah. Well, soon enough. <laughs> what? Once he I'm once off he cleans the pills, up, guys. Listen, it is important. People who are addicts, we need to give them something to look forward to. PJ, you can be Gerald C. Once you clean up. What? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Excellent. There's a light at the There's the only tunnel. Gerald. It gets better. Just hold on with your little four fingers. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Hip hop producer Pharrell 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 rapper. Who cares? <laughs> Just observe the foam on the mouth corners, and then you know it's Pharrell <laughs> or Pharrell. There you go. He's in the cover of uh, GQ's new masculinity issue. Oh my yeah, there you go. I always have the cover there. Do we have a, the full cover? We'll bring yeah. that up. Full yeah. cover. Uh, the magazine actually looks know. to explore the ways that traditional notions of masculinity are being challenged, overturned, and evolved. Is what oh, they say. God. And that brings us to this week's seven plus one. So this one, yes, seven plus one, eight. Practical uses for Pharrell based on his GQ cover. Oh yeah, we have to be. This is a basically a public service. Uh, Number practical uses for Pharrell based on his GQ cover. Number seven, a wonderful Christmas tree topper. Yeah, he's. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's That's wonderful. Number six, uh, a shuttlecock for giants. See, he serves. (laughs) Oh, look at that. You know, Bill, how about you read us number five? I like that. Number five, emergency plane exit. Yeah, see, we uh, <laughs> the slide, jump, I like jump it. Yeah. Jump and tuck. It works go. pretty well. Uh, number four, an ice cream cone for giants. So it's really, yeah, yeah it's useful. <laughs> yeah. Super ah, useful. Yeah. I think uh, let's have G Morgan A. Oh, good ish. Lord. Let's there have you no... try number three. <laughs> All right, resting place for embalmed Egyptians. Which, you know, we really could have yeah. we nice. could have just said tomb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> could have just said. Looking back, that know. probably would have been a little easier to say. Number two. Very, very uh, worthwhile, valuable. No passing hazard sign 
Pharrell, yeah. Oh, safety first. <laughs> and the number one practical use for Pharrell, based on his recent uh, GQ catalog uh, cover, Georgi sleeping bag, which seems, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah. the plus one, I forgot, the oh. plus one, the one in the chamber, don't forget the one in the chamber, yeah, the plus one practical use for Pharrell, based on his GQ cover, cancellation of GQ subscription. So there you go. <laughs> oh. This has been this week, seven plus one. All right, who knocked over my pipe? Ooh, that was definitely, definitely. I'm pretty sure that was you. you. Yeah, hey, yeah. Corner Black Garrett, read us the winner from this year's uh, trivia contest. Winner is Catherine Eel? Correct. Are you dyslexic, Corner Black? <laughs> Look, you white people make Correctly me nervous. Correctly identified. <laughs> wow. You mean your mother makes you nervous? <laughs> she does. Thanksgiving must be very uncomfortable for you, except for half. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Correctly identified that A&M is the location for this year's Halloween Spooktacular. Go to lotofcutter.com slash tour for yes. details. Okay. So uh, everyone got that out of their system? Yeah. want to talk better. about this, 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 no. uh, this idea of people now are, are labeling anyone who criticizes the government or accuses uh, policies of being tyrannical of making death threats. Yeah. And I think this is a discussion that we actually should have. A lot of people don't want to have it because no one wants to be tarred and feathered as someone who's an extremist right, yeah. or issuing death threats. No one here is issuing death threats. I want to be really clear, right? right? Half-Asian Larry Bill, you've heard me none, say this repeatedly. None, none. Good. Okay. Legally covered. So let's start it with this. Beto uh, O'Rourke, in case you think of another Beto. Mm. There isn't one. <laughs> you want to say Beto? Someone's going, Beto Nathaniel? Right. No. <laughs> I knew a Beto back in junior high, oh but gosh. I don't think he proposed a gun buyback. <laughs> it might not be the same one. So Beto, he repeated his demands for a mandatory gun buyback program at the, the debates this Tuesday. Listening to my fellow Americans, to those moms who demand action, to those students who march for our lives, who in fact came up with this extraordinary bold peace Thank plan you, that calls for mandatory buybacks, let's follow their inspiration and lead. Yeah, let's just follow their inspiration. Oh, yeah. No. No. Doesn't matter how much of a violation of human rights it is as long as you were inspired. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. Just do it. Hitler looked at some <laughs> nice watercolors. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, and just to be clear, we want to make sure that we are not taking him out of context. Right. I encourage you to go watch the full debates. The next day, when asked about it, he doubled down on his comments. In that case, uh, I think there would be a, a visit by law enforcement to recover oh. that firearm oh. and to make sure that it is purchased, bought back, so that it cannot be potentially used against somebody else. Yeah. Because you would never want a firearm yeah. to potentially be used against someone else. Yeah. No. That never. almost might negate the purpose of right. firearms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be Protection. crazy to use it for its main purpose <laughs> yeah. of self -defense. How are you going to take that gun? What if what, violence? What, I want to yeah. take the knife because it could be used to cut something. Yeah. It could be used to separate objects of different <laughs> density. Mm. And we need to take the knives, which is happening. <laughs> in the now, keep yeah. in mind, by the way, while That's we're talking about this, Beto was uh, arrested for burglary <laughs> and had a DUI fled the scene. So the guy proposing yeah. this is somebody yeah. who... B was burgling. <laughs> He's familiar he with it. You know, you're one of the great cat burglars of the world, Beto. You think you can keep it down for a minute in there, huh? <laughs> where's, where's Greta to say that he's stealing her future and her childhood? <laughs> I mean, th I mean, that, that, that's the question. So, right. so then oh, they were saying, gosh. okay, great. So, uh, uh, B2, you're not gonna do, you're not gonna drink anymore because of the DUI. Right. You're not gonna live in a house. Or the like drunk bandits. Yeah, just whatever you want to do. <laughs> right. The drunk wet bandits. The drunk wet bandits. No. Uh, he is. Slippery. So now, Terrible by the way, Mark. this is something that's important to note. Even at the Democratic debates, I think that's why he doubled down the next day. Yeah. The Democrats went out of their way. They wanted to challenge him on this, and I think this stems from Beto was struggling, I think, to get 1% or 2% in the polls. One, yeah. yep. And so he said, you know what? Democrats obviously are pushing her to this. I'm just going to come out and say, mandatory gun buyback, gun confiscation.
obfuscation. That was his yeah. Hail Mary, and yeah. Democrats are going, ooh, we can just pick this guy off more effectively than yeah. Tulsi Gabbard picked off uh, Kamala Harris a couple of debates ago. <laughs> Which, by the way, Tulsi Gabbard, I actually think the only two reasonable people on that stage, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, Tulsi Gabbard has no chance. She's too hot. You can't have a president <laughs> who's that attractive. People will it's not, not feel not comfortable around it. Notably, Justin Trudeau. He's going to be competing, sizing her up, you know, putting his shoulders up. Yeah. I feel like an episode of Mean Girls. Yeah. So the Democrats went after, awesome. I want to make sure that we show a clip, they went after yeah. Beto O'Rourke saying, well, oh, uh -huh, okay, Beto, how are you going to enforce that? It's unenforceable. Our fellow Americans will follow the law. Yes. Congressman, um, mass shooters don't fall by definition. Million. The mass shooters in Parkland, in El Paso, I could go on for 10 minutes. They don't follow the law by definition. Well, but wouldn't it be nice if they did? You just yeah. made it clear that you don't know how this is actually going to take weapons off the streets. If you can develop the plan further, I think we can have a debate about it. Well, I, oh, he can't, gosh. and you can't no. debate about it. Nobody can. No. And by the way, last, last night I was having dinner with some friends, and one of the people at the table said it was refreshing to hear him say something other than thoughts and prayers. Like, oh, what, what, did you listen to anything he said? Yeah. None of it made any sense. Yeah. It was bad policy. AR-15s aren't responsible for most mass shootings, and you can't do it. I There's don't no believe way. the story. You weren't having dinner with friends. You were I by know. yourself. I was by myself. <laughs> you were by yourself. You were by yourself crying into a hungry man. I was drinking this other <laughs> bottle of Petal Hungry Man XL. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, all it, I know it, how to cook. It is interesting to think that if thoughts and prayers are a problem and no action, dreaming about a land in which people are just criminals are going to voluntarily yeah. hand yes. over their firearms, and then only the good citizens will be the ones without guns. That's not mm. fantasy. You told me Which, by the, the way, part. no, here's the thing, too. You cease to be a good citizen just for holding on to your rights. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, right. You are now a criminal because right. of a God-given right. And that's yeah. going to bring us into this, this conversation that I really want to talk about and explore. So... Knowing this, you know, last week the left, they had a meltdown claiming that Ben Shapiro had threatened to murder someone yeah. because he did say that he would resist the Democratic agenda if it violated basic human rights. I want you to watch the clip. Now, full disclosure, I'm friends with Ben Shapiro. I've known him for a while. I was like, he negotiated my first business contract. Yeah. We just met through Andrew Breitbart, and I said, you know, you've got a lot of vowels in your last name, and you seem like you can negotiate this <laughs> for work out. I didn't know Bill at the time. I said, Shapiro. Probably a good lawyer, and he there did. He did it very well. Nice. So I just want, yes, I am biased, but I want you to watch the clip for yourself and see if he made a death threat in any shape or form. There's only one reason the government exists, to protect those rights, not invade those rights. It is my right to raise my child with the moral precept that I find to be beneficial for my child. Beto O'Rourke does not get to raise my child. And if he tries, I will meet him at the door with a gun. I don't. Uh, he's basically talking Damn about a home right? intrusion yeah. scenario. Wow. Well, I mean, he's talking about protecting. Exactly. He's not talking about threatening. He's not going out to look for Beto O'Rourke. He's saying, right. "Look, if you come and try to invade my right. space and try to tell me how to do this, I'm going to protect myself." Right. I mean, I think the Simple. one the one thing I would say that is at least intellectually honest about what Beto's saying is that he's admitting that the plan that he has been talking about and that other Democrats have talked about will lead to using guns to seize other guns for right. people who aren't using their guns wrong. Yeah, and right. so finally admitting it, and now even the left is admitting it's not really a plan that will make sense in any kind of efficacy type of way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that, 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 that's a fact. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, the fact is I was at Harvard and you're merely half Asian, so. <laughs> so I would. I'd love to see them debate. It would be great. Maybe, 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 maybe if you go into the courtroom and we meet on opposite sides and you're using your, 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 we'll do your, a kung, violin fu, your kung fu moves. Or violin. <laughs> I'm quite confident I played at Carnegie Hall. But I do like it. No, it's not. I'm just, I'm just razzing him a little bit. It does beg the question, when, if ever, is armed resistance required or appropriate? And how is drawing a line in the sand on that basis... How, 
We need. How is that different from a death threat? Again, half Asian Bill, my lawyer, not making any death threats. I am not issuing any call to violence here with this segment. Okay. Right. He's not. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. So let's go through point one uh, for examining B. this conversation, because to, to think that. No. To think that resistance or to think that some kind of armed resistance or armed violent conflict can't happen today is naive. Right. It's to not understand ba the basic human condition. And yeah. it happens across the world today, by the way. Slavery still happens today. And we'll get back to that. This idea that we're well past that so we don't need guns anymore is, is so factually off beam that it's the actual re we need firearms. Because the only way to protect oneself in the modern world is with firearms, and that's yeah. why it's a God-given right. So let's look at the history as to what in the past, throughout history, humans thought warranted some kind of resistance, right? Uh, and differentiating that, let's differentiate that from senseless violence. So yeah. one, let's take an example here and say a death threat versus setting a line in the sand right. a boundary, okay? So one, like saying if someone breaks into my house in the middle of the night while I and my family are there, uh, I'm going to protect it with my firearm. Yeah. Okay? Reasonable. That's issuing a line. Putting it, drawing a line in the sand, creating boundaries. The other, a death threat, would be saying, I'm going to kill everyone at the post office. One's appropriate, one's a reprehensible crime. Yeah. When we look at hi history, there are through lines as to when people have resorted to armed resistance legitimately. Right. Okay? Usually it requires the invasive removal of very personal human rights. I'll give you a few examples here. Uh, of course, with the American Revolution, you can see freedom of religion was a big one. Yeah. People wanted to be able to, to worship freely. Uh, the government was not representative of its, of its constituents. Taxation without representation. Yeah. That mirrors quite a bit what happened with the French Revolution, right? We have the Civil War over slavery. I would argue that's a good thing. Someone was trying to say, you are going yeah. to be enslaved. I'm going to remove your right to be free. And there was a call to arms, which is also why we have the Second Amendment in the first place. Yeah. Right. And I would just like to say, a lot of people will throw out the thing and say, you can never overcome the U.S. military forces. Like, yeah, that's what they were saying about the British whenever we started fighting. That's right. what they were saying in Vietnam when we had this long protracted war. And in Afghanistan, all these people, you will always outlast and outfight uh, if you're an insurgency. It'll always happen, right? You can't wipe everybody out. So people that saying you don't need those weapons, you'll never be able to do that, they're wrong. Yeah. Not necessarily always. Historically, I yes. saw Captain Phillips, the Somali pirate. <laughs> <laughs> you just need Look, more than one boat. Still waiting for that guy. That was an international water. Appear right? in romantic Maybe. comedies. Yes. I don't think it's coming down the pike. Yeah. Guy, he, that's his high watermark. He was nominated for an Oscar. Like, Where's my failure to launch? <laughs> I am <laughs> boyfriend. Like, failure, failure to gain uh, uh, eighty pounds. I thought you were going to say, "Where's my teeth?" You were about Sorry. to say there. No, I mean, I think when you when you look at the short term, the, the left continues to focus on the idea that well, we'll just take away guns and we get over the fact. That that criminals are still going to have guns, but what what is the point of having the right to defend? And if you can't defend yourself right. in a means that would actually help you, let's say, I mean, the, the tales of, and not tales, the, the real life stories of individuals who would otherwise not be able to fight off an intruder, much less two or three or four or five, right. but have had a simple firearm, even just a 22 to be able to defend themselves and to be able to scare off folks as a deterrent. You're saying that if you are in that situation, you do not have a right to take any action. At that point, you yeah. might as well just say, lay down, yeah. take your clothes off. Yeah. Give them the stuff. It's it, your obligation. In 2019, yeah. when people say, well, they couldn't have foreseen the kind of... Actually, it's more necessary than ever yeah. in 2019 because it's your right to self-preservation, right? You're not just using a club at this point. If you don't have a firearm, you're not going to be able to protect yourself. Yeah. And, and as far as the guesswork, I like to take it out uh, of yeah. this equation here. But which rights are worth fighting over? Um, we have a guide to our stars, if you will, the Constitution. Mm. And it expressly outlines human rights, natural rights, human rights as granted by God. That's what's important. Yes. You may just think it's some... some uh, imaginary being in the sky. That's fine, but you still benefit from the idea 
But the founding, the premise that the founding fathers used to establish the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, they said this is the government cannot grant or remove these rights, they can only exist to protect them. So, again, when, if ever, is armed resistance appropriate? And uh, can someone discuss it in 2019 without being accused of a death threat? Speaking of death, our channel is actually still alive and well, thanks to you. <laughs> Hit the <laughs> notification bell if you're subscribed, uh, because subscriptions don't mean a whole lot. And just bookmark the page, new video every single day. If you want this content to continue, join MugClub, lottocutter.com slash MugClub. So let, let me kind of make this clear, and then uh, you guys can obviously chime in. Sure. When would it be appropriate? Let's start with when it would be inappropriate. Okay. When would it be inappropriate to ever defend yourself or mount some kind of resistance? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it would be inappropriate for any kind of violent resistance due to a personal affront, due to policy differences, yeah. due to uh, ad hominem attacks, or even due to a proposal of a policy that you think could lead to tyranny. None of those would be appropriate instances to stand your ground. Okay. And there's, there's, some, there's some nuance in there, obviously, yeah. but let me tell you where it gets black and white. There ceases to be nuance. The moment there is an enforcement of policy that infringes upon your basic fundamental yeah. human rights, resistance is at least an appropriate discussion. So we've said where it's not appropriate, let me give you some clear examples where I think it could be appropriate. Uh, let's start with, with Beto O'Rourke, going house yeah. to house to take people's guns. Yeah. Yes, which he's ha he has to do that, right? Yeah. We're not talking about an assault weapons ban, you know, which yeah. basically means like, okay, this this is legal, illegal. Is it, ah, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> listen, we, Joe That's Biden, awesome. we took assault weapons, that was one thing funny with the debate. He said, we yeah. took assault weapons off the street and crime went down. Whoopsie. You dummy, crime was already going down. Last yeah. year was the lowest year, I believe, for violent crime ever. You were just a blip yeah, in the exactly. overall downturn. By the way, I don't think what stopped the crime was this, 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 uh, 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 oh. Correlation does wow. not equal causation for our friend over Just here. people just yeah. using less guns because the the pistol grip, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just, oh, I don't know how to use it now. I just, you know. Like George Harrison good. after Helter Skelter. They got blisters on their fingers. What do you, you think I'm going to pistol grip this shit? <laughs> I don't remember that one. Okay, so where would it be appropriate? <laughs> It's in the it's in the V side, the studio. I'm done. The BBC I had a funny line. Harrison. I'm out. Yeah, it was George Harris. <laughs> all right, that's it. All right. That's you, it for the year, Gerald. So uh, you've broken no law when we're talking about house to house taking yeah. guns. Let me be clear. You've broken no law. It is your personal property. You have the right to own that gun. Correct and everything thus yeah. far. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. The government has no authority to infringe upon that right if you are a law-abiding citizen. Right. They solely exist to protect those rights. So let me give you another example. If some person um, has seized control to which they have no right decides that they want to rewrite laws so that they can simply infringe upon your God-given rights, it's, it's, it's illegitimate. Yeah. I won't recognize that. Just, in this, just as in the same way, if someone walks into my house who's an intruder, he has not been granted permission, you know, like a vampire, I didn't invite him in. Mm -mm. Yeah. If I nope. do, it's on me. It's on me. <laughs> I'm going to be pale in the face. I get it. It's a rule. <laughs> right? If he comes in, he does not have the right to take any of my stuff, including my firearm. Neither does a member of the government. They do yeah. not have the right to do that just because someone said, I am going to create a new law. That's important. That's, that's different from committing a crime or foregoing your rights because you're yeah. a felon. Is, is, is that totally out of line? I mean, there's, there's obviously a, a structure in which we say that if you're participating in society, right. if you give up your rights by committing crimes that are at a certain level, you're giving that up. And I, and I get that there are yeah. libertarian friends out there who would say that if you're in the society, you never give up the rights. So there shouldn't be such things right. taken. And I, I get that yeah. argument. But, you know, the general premise of where the Constitution came from was that and where we've interpreted it is that you would be able to give up those certain rights, whether it's freedom going 
going to jail, having guns taken away, or the vote to write their franchise, et cetera. And so then the, ultimately the question becomes, let's take the reality of saying, okay, let's say it's not the United States, where things are, despite what the left would say, pretty great. Yeah. And then you go over to another country where they're fighting for freedom. Is that rule still supposed to apply there? Oh, you're saying they have the right to defend themselves because they need to do it right then, but not in America because we don't need to do it right now. And we will never, ever, ever have to do it in the future. Yeah, right. And, and even yeah. if, God willing, we never would have to. But the point of the God-given right is not only on an individual basis to be able to defend yourself, but to be able to defend yourself from a government that is supposed to stem from the people. And when it yeah. is not anymore... That's when you but, have to have the discussion. And I want to get away from the idea of, you know, like assault weapons bans. But th this is the same reason that freedom of speech, people get people are shocked when I say, well, it really only exists in the United States because it's enshrined in our Constitution. Yeah. Remember that uh, lady at Change My Mind? She's like, what are you talking about? We have yeah. freedom of speech yeah. in Germany. I said, really? <laughs> yeah, you're lying. We just don't let hate speech. And then oh, everyone starts laughing. She's like, why are you there laughing at me? Stop. Stop with the laughter. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with laughter. <laughs> so are the Japanese. That's why we make great bedfellows. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it only exists here because it is enshrined in the Constitution. Yeah. A, a law like this, completely destroying the Second Amendment, going house to house, removing yeah. people's guns, would that be legally unprecedented, Bill? It, it would be very, uh, it would be against the set rules that we have right now that yeah. have come from the Supreme Court about what the Second Amendment protects and what it doesn't. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the line that the Second Amendment comes from on the same premise of the inalienable rights that came from the original Constitution. So, you know, we've got the Bill of Rights. They further interpret what those rights are and have been set down. And of course, you know, the states could all get together and take those rights away to a certain extent, except right. at that point, we'd obviously believe it's out of the Constitution and against what the country was founded on. Well, let's Let's, let's, I was going to say, so this isn't something that's a, a bridge too far for us to really contemplate. A, a president getting elected and then using an executive order to try to do something like this to yeah. circumvent the Constitution. I think that's right. the kind of scenario that we can envision where all of a sudden we've broken the process that we have in place to make sure that the laws of the land are enforced and that we, we, we adhere to those laws. Yeah. That's the kind of thing and that would happen. And it's never positive. Let's, let's compare it to the freedom of speech scenario, okay? Yeah. But let's kind of go on that, that uh, flip side of the coin here. So... I have the right to speak freely. That's recognized in the Constitution. What does that mean? If I am out speaking against the government, let's say I'm at a right-to-life rally, yeah. okay? Let's just say I'm speaking offensively. For example, I don't know, using your biologically proper pronouns. <laughs> so, <laughs> so offensive. Canceled. Just because it offends somebody doesn't mean they have the right to punch me in the face. Antifa right. can't come up, throw a concrete milkshake. I have the right to defend myself with appropriate force. Yeah. Equal and opposing reaction, right? That would be no different than if I went out and spoke against the government and they sent armed people to jail me. Those yeah, people yeah. are removing my right to speak freely enshrined in the Constitution uh, by force. I believe that in that instance, it is appropriate to defend yourself. These are extreme examples. Yeah. At least they would have been theoretical examples, except for the fact that Beto O'Rourke brought it to the world <laughs> as a very concrete yeah. example. Yeah. He would send people house to house yeah. to take your guns with their own guns. Yeah. Made it very Absolutely. clear. The government has no authority in telling me what I can and cannot say. Just because a new politician says they can, it doesn't mean that I'm actually breaking the law. It's a natural law. It's a human right. It is not a political policy. And I'd like to toss a bill on that a little bit. A lot yeah. of people don't understand the idea of, of natural rights, human rights. These are birthrights. Well, they're, they're the idea that the rights themselves are outside of or above and not given by government. Because at right. some point when you say yeah. that the government is the one that can create the rights and those rights don't pre-exist the government, so not only have you unhinged the idea of rights except for someone 
someone who's giving it to you. Um, right. But you have no way to say if a group of people get together and say, yeah, you actually don't have any rights anymore. So yeah. clean yeah. my house, right? I mean, it's just yeah, exactly. that's that's the kind of natural thought that led back to a, a Democratic-led right. fight for slavery, you know, a century ago. Wait, wait, when did I lose that right? Eh, Beto did a kickflip. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's and he's so, really popular right now, so we let him do it. It's uh, one important thing I, I would definitely say is that you know because Beto has already taken this to the very end. That's why we're talking at the end about yes. would you ever need guns? Yeah. Would you ever get to that point? In between here and there is the court system. Yeah. There is the fact that we have the party system, that we have voting, and all no of death the, threats. Context, none. lest right. you take the clips. No none. opposite of that. Context, context. Go ahead. <laughs> so we have all these things like context. The electoral <laughs> college versus the popular vote. Yes. And sure, are these systems necessarily 100 percent efficient? Of course not. The natural way of society is that things can't be efficient, but the natural system that we have in yeah. America, as opposed to other places, means that if we were to get that far, we would have had crossed so many thresholds that that is the only option. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jim well, Morgan. Quickly, this is a situation a. he found in, uh, in, with Jordan Peterson. That's the whole trouble that he it's got the compulsion in, of right? language. The compulsion of language right. that they're dealing with yeah. in Canada. Well, so this isn't some let's concept Let's go to another scenario, the freedom of religion, right, to worship freely. Yeah. But I don't care. Muslim, Christian, Jewish, Scientology, doesn't matter, right? It is my right. It is everyone's right here to, I know, Just but you know what? They technically are religion. <laughs> Careful, careful. They barely less, won that. Less Zenu hear you. I know, no, that's no, true. I hear Tom Your Cruise. Your seat levels will be off the charts. And then Tom Cruise has sex with you. What? Oh, How is that allowed? That Part of it? Lucky. Again? <laughs> it's the Scientology <laughs> sex for the dead. That's what it is. It's like their baptism for the dead, only it's uh, Tom Cruise and he just goes on a date with you. Um, mm. I don't know what I'm talking about now. So it's my <laughs> right get a date to lead them. my family spiritually as I see fit, period. If some random guy comes into my church or your mosque with a gun, yeah. right? Telling you that the flying spaghetti monster has led to more wars than blah, 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 blah. Okay, we get it. Everyone yeah. who says it's like, we understand that you took Humanities 101, edgy <laughs> atheist. <laughs> That's not what this is about. Nice. We have the right to defend ourselves if someone walks into a mosque or a church with a gun. Why? Because it's a natural human right. They cannot tell us how we can worship. Now, if the government does that same thing in saying, listen, I'm sorry, and this is what Ben Shapiro was speaking to, you can't take your child to that Christian school. You yeah. have to send him to our public school. You can't teach your son that theology. It has to match our new tolerant guidelines, and they attempt to enforce it, which Beto was really clear about, means people door to door with guns. Yeah. Resistance is an appropriate discussion at that point to have. Yeah. Not a call to arms, not a death threat. Context, context, context. Let's the Young Turks try and take this clip and say, call to arms, look at it, bullshit. <laughs> I want to make sure we're really clear. The oh government gosh. at that point is no different than a man entering a mosque with a gun to try and stop you from worshiping freely. Yeah, absolutely. And when government starts to take some of those rights that we've listed, it never goes to a positive place. It's never a good thing for people to give up those rights. And also the form of the government's only goal is really to get bigger and become more powerful. Why would you want to allow them to limit your rights while they increase theirs? That doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I'll tell you why. Because you know how you're paying premiums right now for healthcare? For you're not going to have to do that anymore. Oh, so taxes, <laughs> my tax dollars <laughs> won't be paying for it? Yeah, Bernie was it's like, just premiums that you're paying now! You're not going to pay them anymore. <laughs> well, hold on. We're just, just crippling taxes. Yes, exactly. Oh, oh. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. You know, Good luck mil with that. Millionaire Bernie is going to be funding that, right? Yeah. Is that, is that book sales? Yeah. Rights in my health care fund? He might fund? have to sell his umpteenth house or his wife. Or his heart. To, I don't know. Figure out wherever she funneled he that money that to money. from Champlain <laughs> yeah. College. Uh, and I remember that college. I used to see ads for it when I was in Montreal. I'm getting off topic. Okay. Again, this is not a call for violence. I want to be really clear. We have to go to right. micro here in a second. This is about establishing boundaries. Yeah. Okay, more importantly, it's about engaging everyone here, not only in this room, but if you're watching, uh, in a discussion about boundaries so that we can set them before they are crossed yeah. in order to avoid any violent conflict. 
right? When you set boundaries and people know that those boundaries exist, for example, if someone says, listen, if I'm a law-abiding citizen and you send someone in my house with a gun, when my family's there to try and take my stuff, whether it's my flat screen, I was going to say plasma, I don't think plasma is that was a midget and each with their own 50-inch plasma screen. Think about that, that was <laughs> only the super wealthy. Yeah. Oh, damn, unfettered capitalism, now I can get it at Walmart, a Westinghouse for $40. Anyway, yeah. but if someone, for, for me to say, listen, if someone with a gun comes into my house to take my property, whether it's a TV or a gun, no, this, I'm not going to allow it. I will meet you at the door with a gun. That is a boundary, that is a line in the sand that if someone knows, actually assists them in avoiding some kind of a violent conflict. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't set boundaries, you're often the last to know when you've crossed them or they've been crossed. Your, your basic human rights, birth rights, defending them is completely justifiable. I don't think it's controversial. You know, if the government just said, we had slavery in this country, terrible. Context, context, slavery bad, okay? When I context! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Canceled. <laughs> Again. We had slavery, so it's not, and there's slavery across the globe. Let's yeah. say the government, because Beto had an opinion, he did a hard flip to nose grind, uh, said, <laughs> I don't know if that's a term anymore. I don't know. Not sure. He did a uh, he did a, uh, a goofy hard flip to. Why am I doing it like Trump? Goofy he did flip. frankly yeah. a <laughs> reverse Olipop shove it to board slide <laughs> on the wall. And I am not a fan of the board slide. I prefer <laughs> grinding on the trucks, which is really stupid. When you think about skateboarding, yeah. the grinding, I do. you have yeah. wheels. It's like I'm going to slide on a uh, an uh, the sole object on my board. Rough metal that has more friction. Yes, <laughs> that does not slide so, well. So you're going to do a thing that's more difficult despite having the tools to do it, right, like exactly. taking away guns from people when they would want to fight armed tears. Yeah. Segway. I wow. see what's there. Look at that. He's trying to bring me back. He's telling me to wrap it. I'm back on topic. He's giving me the. He's giving me the red light, and we don't even have a red light in the studio. I tire of your logic. one with him. Brought my own. So if the government were to say slavery's back. You can resist that. I think it's an appropriate response to resist it violently yep. in that instance. And I would be with black people if they wanted to put y'all back in chains, right? The, why? Because the government doesn't have the right to enslave people. Right. We only know that now because we fought over that. It was a resistance. I'm okay with that. How do we set those boundaries? That's the question you might be asking. The good part is we don't have to guess in regards to this because we have the Constitution. <laughs> You will remember the day you had the chance to join Mug Club at a mere price of $69 for students, veterans, or active military. And rest assured, you will be telling your grandchildren the tale of the opportunity that you had to support the freedom fighters in the technology field on the platforms, but failed to do so. Break the grip of the YouTube Gestapo and join at ladderwithcrowded.com slash mugclub today. The Second Amendment guarantees your right to be armed for your protection or the protection of your loved ones. I was able to stop him before he was able to do any real damage. You have the right to remain silent. But you can still face ridiculous civil liability with the defensive use of your firearm. 
That's why you need firearms legal protection. With our 24-7 emergency hotline and plans designed specifically for the firearms owner, firearms legal protection is the best legal protection you can have for self-defense. dying, you just can't think of anything fun to do. Join Mug Club at lottowithcrowder.com slash mug club. I always felt sorry for kids <coughs> dressed as M&M's for Halloween. What? No kid wants, well, you know, you have one kid, I used to talk about this in stand-up, you have one kid who's like, I'm Superman, I'm going to save the world, I'm a firefighter, I'm going to rescue yeah. people from burning buildings, and then because the kid has a crappy mom, he's, I'm going to melt in your yeah, mouth. I'm full of chocolate. It's just <laughs> it's just a layup for bullies, really. Yeah. You might yeah. as well, it's, it's chumming for bullies. It's when a you lot of padding, though. M&M. A lot of yeah. uh, all right, our next guest uh, on that intro. We've been wanting to get him on the show for a while. He's a very oh, yeah. busy man. Uh, of course, you know him Big fan. from Dirty Jobs uh, at Microworks is his Twitter. He has a new book out, The Way I Heard It. It's basically a collection of stories, and I believe it relates to his podcast, As I Heard It, uh, which Uh I've I've listened to a couple of times. Very funny. And he has another podcast on Facebook. I want to make sure I get this right. It's Returning the Favor. So, so many shows. uh, And old ladies really want to have sex with him. Like, oh. I, not old ladies, but like, ladies, like, I, I will tell you this, my grandmother-in-law, I'm not surprised. if you mention Mike Rowe, she starts doing this, and she actually does oh, this, man. which is Mike really, Rowe. I don't think she's that hot, I don't think she's getting a hot flash, I think she wants to let the world know that oh. if you have him on your show, send him my way. Gotcha. Mr. Mike Rowe, how are you, sir? Uh, well, I'm deeply flattered. I'd love to see some photographs of the woman in question. And I think she's 96. Think so, listen, I, I'm I'm no ageist, doggone it. And if and if she's getting the vapors as a result of yours truly, then there's no there's no option but to be deeply humbled. Well, I'll try and find a, a picture of her from her youth because she was quite the dish. But I imagine that picture is just a pterodactyl with sandstone yeah. going. This job sucks. That's how I picture it. So I want to make sure I have your. Book is the way I heard it, correct? Correct. Okay, and the book is explain it for people who don't, uh, who haven't seen it yet, read it. The the book began as a collection of stories on my podcast, which is also called The Way I Heard It, which began as an homage to a guy named Paul Harvey, which some of your listeners might recall as sure. a great broadcaster who made history and biography interesting by telling short mysteries around subjects with which he was fascinated in his own life. I stole that idea, or at least borrowed it with some semblance of permission, changed the title, and uh, and started writing these stories on airplanes and then recording them, and then to my wondering eyes, uh, discovering that we had a couple hundred million downloads or something. So. Uh, a publisher said, hey, it'd be great if you put this in a book. And I said, okay. And then my mother said, you know what would be great between these stories, Michael, is if you would share some stories of your own youth in a in a juxtaposition of sorts. Right. And I said, Mom, what are, you, what are you talking about, and why can't you mind your own business? Because now she's a best-selling author. Oh. So, of course, she has answers to everything. And, uh, but she was right. So what came – the book is a weird – mix of autobiography and biography, truish stories of famous people I've never met juxtaposed with truish stories of my own misspent youth coming together in what can only be described as a happy serendipitous nexus of mystery and memoir. It can only be described that way because that's kind of flowery. Yeah. 
the language. It, 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 it is. It's a little flowery, and I guess now that I think about it, we could describe it equally accurately as Good. a hot massive schizophrenic desperation. Well, I guess so. let's just say uh, good and you should purchase it. Let's just go <laughs> yeah, with that's that. A, that's simple, easy. Let's go, let's go with this. I'm literally sitting here because I'm doing the book door and I'm looking at my stupid device and seeing that I'm number four on Amazon right now. And before the interview started, I was number six. So, oh, Stephen, well, there you we're go. on a roll. That's the power <laughs> yeah. of the show that nobody in the right mind has any yeah. business doing. I still don't know how we get <laughs> the senators and presidential candidates. I'm like, did you see what we did? <laughs> we had Pharrell on top of a giant Christmas yeah. tree. Um, okay, so I don't want to, to blow smoke here, but you've been successful in so many endeavors, um, Mr. Rowe. You, you know, you've obviously done uh, advertising Mr. for Micro. Mr. Micro. It's I Mr. Micro. Yes. I think I've earned it. Yes, you have earned it. Sensei. We'll go with Master Row. Master Micro. I usually prefer a coach relationship than a master <laughs> relationship, but I'll allow it. So you've been successful. You've done so many different things, right? And, and, and you've been successful in at least what we've seen in the public eye, uh, all of them. And you've done podcasts, you've done books, you did dirty jobs, you've done these sort of uh, documentary style shows, you did these commercials with Ford. Um, what do you attribute your success to? I, I have a theory, and then I have a personal story uh, about when we first met. But I, I would like to hear, you know, you toot your own horn first because you're so likable. I want to tee this up so that you can brag and immediately make yourself unlikable. <laughs> All right. So let me try and approach this in the most humble, braggy way I can. Yeah. Um, I was a I was a really good show host for about 15 years, from like 1990 to 2002, and during that time. I became uh, facile at impersonating other hosts. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was hired a lot uh, to work on projects that were so poorly conceived and, and otherwise doomed that no amount of luck or talent could save them. But I always did a good job. And so I had a business model that allowed me to do well in Hollywood by identifying losers and attaching myself to them <laughs> and then getting hired again, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for doing the uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> it's still working. Uh, My loser sense is tingling. No, the tractor beam sucked me right in. Sorry, continue. <laughs> so, so Dirty Jobs was a miscalculation. It was originally three one-hour specials. They lit them up because I was trying to do a little tribute to my, to my granddad. Mm -hmm. And in that format of Dirty Jobs, I was not a host. I was I was more of a guest. Right. And I was in sewers and I was hanging upside down from bridges and in coal mines and all these places. But I never had to pretend to know any more than I did. And I never had to try and sound like an expert. Consequently, I wound up becoming a pretty good guest, mm -hmm. although my appearance on your program might lead some to conclude otherwise. But I'm no, you're like a vampire. I, was, I, I have to invite you in. Yeah. First, that's right, and then you, then well, you once ruin you the do, show. I will suck the life out of you. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> and so, and so, what happened on Dirty Jobs was I realized that I could function as a guest instead of a host. Mm -hmm. And once the show blew up, I suddenly became a guy who was really all about managing expectations. So all I had to do on that show, we never shot a second take. There was no real pre-production. There was certainly no writing and acting and scripting and any of that stuff. It was truly my crew were flies on the wall documenting the day that I had in yeah. all 50 states many times over. And so people began to know me as a dude who simply tried. I got paid to try. Right. And, and, and that 
saved my bacon. Well, I think you're actually uh, sort of echoing exactly what I was going to speak to, your authenticity. Now, when we go to the Web Extended, by the way, remind me so I don't forget, I hosted some really crappy shows as well, some pilots. Mm, sure. uh, there was one called Beat My Dad with MTV. I think the NDA is long since lapsed. <laughs> I don't sounds, know. So we'll talk that about that horrible. off air. I don't want to bore people with it right now. But it involved <laughs> Willie Galt and a girl kicking my ass. I'll go back to hey, it. Hey, uh, hear that story. Uh, but I do think there's an authenticity about you that you, you, you seem earnestly interested in, in, in learning uh, when I was watching Dirty Jobs, for example. It was something where I felt as though I was learning along with you. And when I first met you in person, uh, and I was just talking with Anthony Camille about this the other day, like I, I didn't grow up uh, in the conservative movement. You know, I was a comedian and we didn't get Fox News. We didn't get AM radio. So when I was at Fox, I, I didn't really know many people, right? I hadn't really seen most of these folks, but I did know Anthony Camille. I knew Jim Norton. Um, and I met you one time. It was You were at the, the Blaze Studios a long time ago. And I knew you. And uh, I, I don't tend to get starstruck. And I won't say I was starstruck then. The one time I got really starstruck was Clint Eastwood. I, mean, I met him, and he turned around, and he said, uh, I'm Clint. And I was like, what do I s I loved you in every which way yeah. but loose. Like, what do you pick from the catalog? <laughs> so I just said, ah, and I walked off. And then my friend was playing an iPhone game, and Clint walked by and goes, so did you rescue the princess? She's <laughs> like, he's a crazy that's, old man. That's awesome. Anyway, so I see Mike Rowe, for people out there. Uh, I'll be able to kind of uh, exalt him a little bit here because he is humble. You're sitting there, and everyone's kind of crowding around you. And I didn't want to crowd you because I could see you were the celebrity. Everyone wanted to ask, ask you these questions. But I looked over, and you, you looked at me, and you, you, you nodded. You acknowledged me. So I thought, okay, let me go over, say hi. I said, hey, I don't want to bother you, Mr. Rowe. I know you're busy. Uh, my name's Steven. And you said, you did, you did that, uh, the, that uh, documentary on Detroit. And you said, Steven Crowder. Yeah, I yeah. And then you started speaking with me about what you liked from that piece of content that I'd created, and you took some time there, and that's not very common. The only other celebrity I can say who did that was when I was young, John Candy. Um, he took some time to do Home Alone lines with me when I was about six years old. Do you, <laughs> wow. So it seems like you take a genuine interest in, in, in people, but do you also have an abnormally uh, efficient memory? I'm sorry. What was the question? I said, do you have I'm like? Kidding. Could, uh, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Just because I mean, yeah, it, was, it was to me, it was really special at that time. You know, I might have been 22 or something that you remembered something that yeah. I had done. Well, I'm I'm pretty facile with short-term stuff. Okay. You know, it was one of the tools in that in that spasm of impersonating a host that that came in handy. I can. I can walk into a room of people and typically remember everybody I meet for about an hour. Mm -hmm. Then it's gone. So long term, I tend to disappoint. Short term, I can create the illusion of genuine interest and curiosity. Uh, in, in, <laughs> in, in, in your, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just com completely honest. When I'm kind of out there working, that it's all about random access. Sure. It's not about long term hard drive stuff. But your piece on Detroit was really interesting to me because I grew up in Baltimore. Right. And Detroit and Baltimore are a lot like the people that I featured on Dirty Jobs. They're mm -hmm. unsung. They take it in the neck more often than not. And, they, and they're waiting for somebody either to make a persuasive case for their existence or at least give them a chance to put their best foot forward. So um, I thought you did that in a pretty refreshing way. And in some way, shape, or form, the people that I'm interested in, in our industry, yes. in, in broadcast, find a way to make themselves subordinate to their guests. I mean, Carson was maybe the best. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are people who know that the next day they'll still be sitting there and a new guest will will be there. Right. And I didn't, I, I, 
it's a form of grace, I think, and I didn't have it for a long time because I didn't have any certainty of where my next gig was coming from. Sure. But, you know, dirty jobs fix that. And you and you struck me as a guy early on who realized, you know, he was occupying a place in the food chain of content and and trying to some degree to take the reverse commute, which is also something that's important to me too. It's not just about doing something great. I get the sense that you look around and see where everybody's going and then say, well, okay, but wherever they're going, who cares? I'd rather not be one of the herd. I would rather maybe even go the wrong direction, but at least I'll I'll go it alone. No, I just go the wrong direction generally, and uh, <laughs> I chase my tail. I, I wish I wish I could say there were there was a rhyme or reason. Uh, well, let me ask you this: We've already gone uh, for, for a while. I, I want to, of course, let everyone know uh, uh, your your book, uh, the way I heard it, and the podcast. And we'll go to off air and kind of talk a little bit more of some inside baseball and broadcasting. But let me ask you this: Because so many people have seen so much of your content out there, Mister Mike Rowe. What would you want your lasting, if you had to pick one, your lasting impact, if you wanted to leave people with one concept or, or message from what you've done, is there something that you really think you'd like to be known for? Because sometimes it's tough when you've done many different, like Clint Eastwood is a good example. Mm -hmm. Director, he's yeah. won, he's won uh, Grammys, I think. Was it Honky Tonk Man? Actor. Wow. Yeah. Same with you, you've done so many. What would you want to be remembered for most? Yeah, people confuse me with Clint Eastwood all the time. You know? Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> I would, uh, well, from an entertainment standpoint, a couple of years ago, I read a letter that my mother wrote to me on Facebook. I She's that. been writing me letters all her life. It's a story about how she lost her big blue purse at the Walmart. Uh, I read this thing on my kitchen table and I posted it on Facebook and then I, then I went off to the wars and I came back a few days later and it had been viewed 128 million times. And for the first time in my career, I, I mean, I just had to laugh. That, that video was me like this, holding my cell phone and reading my mom's letter. Right. And I reached a third of the country in a, in a production that cost $0.0. .0. Right. And, and people loved it. They laughed. My mom wound up with a book deal out of it. I wound up with a book deal. So many great things happened because one day I took the time to read my mom's letter from my kitchen table. Totally, this is all way, way after Dirty Jobs, way right. after everything. I remember we posted but about it, and I remember so, we got so much positive feedback from it, and it wasn't political. It was one of the first pieces that we ran on our Facebook page that people just said, I, I, this strikes a chord with me. I remember it well. And it was, it was full of lessons, and it reminded me a lot of stuff of a lot of things that I had already learned but forgotten. So on the entertainment side, I'll go with a piece of random accidental video inspired by my mom. Um, on the earnest side, a foundation came out of Dirty Jobs called MicroWorks. Right. Um, we've given away over $5 million in work ethic scholarships, and now we've got about eight or 900 people who have been trained in the business of learning a skill that's actually in demand. And uh, if there's going to be a legacy from any TV project I've ever done, I, I can't imagine patting myself on the back any harder uh, than I than I am for that. And that if, matters. Those people are walking around, and I'm you know I'm proud of them. And that was is it microworks.org? Is that where people can go to learn more about that? That's it. You can apply for a work ethic scholarship, or you can give me money. Either yeah, way, I'll, absolutely. I'll, I'll, there's I'll just put a them both to good use. There's a give generously button, and it goes wherever you choose. I understand. We're a little loosey goosey with the rule books. No, that's the same thing that happens with me. I'll tape some. We have the studio. We have all these subscribers, and then I'll tape something on my phone, and it'll blow everything else yeah. out of the water. I go, what am I? I should fire all of you. <laughs> 
I wake up with this pressure to keep you employed. I don't need you. I just need my roaming charges. Uh, all right. Uh, that is uh, Mike Rowe, of course, at Mike Rowe Works. The book is The Way I Heard It, available on Amazon. Always worth reading his stuff. We're going to go to a web extended here for people who are not members of Mug Club. Mr. Rowe, please stick around for just a second. Here's some music. We're going to wrap the show up on YouTube. I'm feeling great, but I would like to well, respond to that question. I want to start by saying... Itchy scalp meets Selsen science. Your history. Selsen Blue Itchy Dry Scalp gets to the root of dandruff and hydrates with five intensive moisturizers. This not debate does... Selsen Blue Itchy Dry Scalp. Don't wear black without the blue. That's a good thing. Selsen Blue. Louderwithcrowdershop.com supports babies. We don't kill them. So purchase your baby onesie at louderwithcrowdershop.com today. called the distracted uh, Olympic diver who realized that our bar is outfitted with Peixos bitters, but not Angostura? Ugh. I just noticed this. You can't make, what cocktail Ugh. can you make with this? Mm. How dare we? How what dare am I, what am I, the, the, the Cajun from the Green Mile? We even... have Peixos bitters and we don't have Angostura. This bar is a sham. Thank you so much to Mike Rowe, by the way. Uh, long web extended interview for those who uh, haven't joined Mug Club, where we just sort of talk some inside baseball about what it means to be a man. There's a lot of horror fun. stories in hosting crappy shows. It was a lot of fun. Uh, well, thank you. I'm glad that uh, you appreciate it. Hey, you mentioned this to me, too. I should let you guys know, we're doing the live stream at Texas A&M on Halloween, October 31st, the Halloween Spooktacular. Of course, we're streaming it. Oh, yeah. So it's not just the show streamed. at the venue. It will be streamed live. And catch it. those are always pretty unpredictable. And uh, I would like to say a lot of fun, but I hate myself for the entire duration. <laughs> And it's fun when it's done. Yeah, it is fun. It is a it's pressure fun. cooker. We already have people now actually going to AM and going through the venue and getting it prepared. Yeah. So it's going to be a whole whole song. It's going to be a slam bang show for you. Yeah. Bees knees. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Can you imagine DMX or exhibit? Just bees knees. What? Come on, bro. My D-O-double-G. What does that like mean, that. Snoop? I'm really trying to get this started. <laughs> I'm really trying here, guys. Can't you just pin? Can you throw me a bone? Jeepers, <laughs> fellas. Suge Knight's gonna, now Suge Knight's going to hang me from a balcony. <laughs> All right. Uh, I wanted to Special. revisit something that we discussed a little bit early in the show. We were talking about the idea of boundaries, specifically as it relates to a tyrannical government. By the way, I hope you guys have my back when these clips get taken out of context. No death threats. Really clear. Um... Let me tell you, though, I cannot express to you as I grow older the importance that I've learned uh, when it comes to, to boundaries and how important it is to set them with finances, with work, with relationships. Establishing them with others and more importantly with yourself is as, it's about as important a practice as you can take on. You've got to do it before 
the imaginary boundaries get crossed. Which brings me to something that, uh, that ties into that, and it's been bothering me for a while. This expression we hear a lot, and I heard two people kind of arguing about it in debate, and it was just, it was, it was awful. The expression, an eye for an eye. Right now, I think some people just use that expression wrongfully so to justify acts of bar barbarism, and they want to disguise those acts as, as justice. I think those people are wrong, okay? But I do understand the principle of, of reaping what you sow. But then you have this other expression, and I heard somebody respond with this, and it's a cliche. You know, I'm not a huge fan of cliches. The person said, well, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. But that's not, that's not true either, because then you run into the risk of not issuing any kind of just punishment or any punishment at all. Does anyone think that that's justice? Well, this, this, guy, this guy murdered a whole family. Hold on a second. We're not saying I for an eye murder his whole family. We're just saying justice. It could be the death penalty, which, by the way, I don't necessarily support, nor am I really against whatever the cheapest way is to dispose of this human trash I'm for. As long as they don't get an IKEA showroom prison cell like they actually get in Sweden. Google Alexander Gustafsson, who was a UFC fighter who spent time in a Swedish prison. You're like, oh, it's nicer than my New York apartment. <laughs> as long as it's not that, whatever you think is most just. Here's the thing. We have a justice system in the country. Why? It consists of, word of the day, word of the day, when you get PJ back in here, boundaries. Boundaries is what we're looking for. As firmly rooted in, uh, in natural, thus human rights. But this whole expression, we hear it all the time, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. I mean, it just, it just doesn't even make sense on its surface. It's not both eyes being ripped out of the face for both other eyes being ripped out of the face. That would be blind. An eye for an eye would, I mean, leave, it would leave the world with some depth perception issues at worst. Like, you know, like ask, I'm sure you can ask Dan Crenshaw. That's not a knock, but he would tell you he's talked about the depth issues. But it's like, <laughs> you can still function with an eye. He's doing well. He's going to be at A&M, I believe, after us. But two things here. I, di I digress. Two things. Uh, it goes back to all of this due diligence and setting boundaries. The first group of people who use this example, an eye for an eye, they, uh, they mistakenly use it to justify excessive use of force. A lot of people don't understand, in audio way we were talking about this, that the context of an eye for an eye biblically was about actually putting limitations on the appropriate reactive measures to be taken. So contextually, again, context over content, an eye for an eye can be compared to a, a moral version of equal and opposite reaction. It's meant to convey that the response should measure an approximation the action that required, that necessitated the response in the first place. So contextually, it's actually about setting boundaries. The second group of people who say an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind, well, they suffer from a lack of establishing boundaries. And we see that a lot. We see it with parents. We see it with citizens. We see it with politicians. You can't just shoot down a proposed solution, right, that has tangibles and con concrete um, because you think it's mean. It's on you to say what the equal or opposite reaction should be. Because you know what? If you don't take an eye for an eye, guess what you get? You, you don't get an eye for an eye. You get one guy taking both eyes. And then your nose, and then your ears, and your head, and your heart. I don't know how he works his way down. The point is, this is a sinister guy, <laughs> this analogy. If you don't, but in all aspects of life, if you don't push back a little bit, unless there's a little bit of that tit for tat, it's not just going to be an eye. It's going to be your life. And that comes back to boundaries. We all have them. Many of us just don't know that we have them. And so unfortunately, our boundaries kind of become fluid. And, and that's the thing about setting boundaries. It's, it's so important. I cannot express to you enough. As a society, it's important. And, and, and more importantly, just as individuals in our personal lives, firmly establishing what it is that you will and will not do, firmly setting which lines people can and cannot cross, or you will or will not cross, 
about what is permissible, we can expand that to treatment of others in the United States. Setting those boundaries is pivotal. If you, if you don't set them in stone ahead of time, you won't know what your boundaries are until they've been crossed. And that's usually when they've been long crossed. So I want you to do a simple exercise here this week, okay? I want you to take out a notepad and paper, if you have an iPad and a little stylus, whatever that's called. What's that called, stylus? I think I got that yeah. right. I'm, I'm still on the old Palm Pilot. <laughs> I, uh, I want you to take a, a notepad and paper. I want you to write down uh, two or three things that you struggle with, okay? Think about it, pause this if you need to. Or it could just be things that are important to you. Areas where you found yourself maybe making the same mistake repeatedly. We often do. I want you to take a second, think about it. Is it relationships? Maybe with your family? Maybe with your wife or your husband? Is it your work or life balance? Is it your health? Maybe substance abuse issues? I don't know what it is, but I want you to write it in the middle of the page. I want you to write what it is that you want to accomplish, your end goal. I want you to take inventory and think of what it is that's hanging you up. What is repeatedly stopping you from achieving that goal? Usually there are a few patterns, and we all fall into them. Now I want you to draw a square, or a circle, or a triangle around the goal of your, depending on how many boundaries you set, okay? This is, I leave the choice to you, the people. I want you to pick some sides here, four, three, circle, I don't care, hexagon, I don't know, pentagram, whatever. I want you to write the boundaries that you set on each side. Could be really simple. Your goal could be to lose weight, and you're going to write, set on that boundary, right, right alongside that line, dessert. You set a boundary that you're not going to have dessert. Could be a little tougher. Maybe you're having a tough time in your marriage and you need to set a boundary on the language you're allowed to use. Write that down there on that boundary. Once you set it, do not under any circumstances allow that boundary to be violated by yourself or by other people against you. It may sound trivial, but doing this, it is so important because everyone, all human beings have a limit. We all have a line in the sand that can't be crossed. And we need to be honest with ourselves and everyone else that that line, what, what it may be, regardless of how uncomfortable it is. Because if you don't have that conversation with yourself, and if you don't set these boundaries, if you don't draw that line in the sand ahead of time, you will be, I guarantee you, the last to know that it's been crossed. And at that point, it's often too late. The good news, is it's easily preventable. Take out the guesswork. Hope that helps. See you next week.